Hey friends, it's November and for this episode of At Home with Eastbrook Homes, we're going to give thanks to an amazing organization right here in West Michigan. We'll be talking to CEO of the AYA Youth Collective, Lauren Van Kulen, about the absolutely incredible work that they are doing in Grand Rapids and surrounding areas. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode of At Home with Eastbrook Homes. And as I said, my guest today, Lauren Van Kulen. Lauren, how are you today? I am doing well, you know, hanging in there. We have rising cases right now. So um, we are managing lots of crises and how to support youth really during this unprecedented time. But I am I'm here, I'm excited to be here and just grateful for the opportunity to talk to you. And so Lauren, for people who are tuning into this Eastbrook podcast and are like, what, what are you two talking about today? Can you back up a little bit and, and explain to people what AYA Youth Collective is and does? And then I kind of want to get into the history because it's super interesting how we even got here. AYA Youth Collective exists uh, to create communities rooted in belonging for youth experiencing instability to own their future. Um, and really what it means is AYA stands for as you are. So it's really a space for youth who are experiencing homelessness or unsafe and unstable housing, actually a multitude of spaces, a collective of spaces for young people to um, be known, uh, to have their basic needs met, and then as a platform for them to launch to their future. I promised I was gonna go backwards, but I, I wanna stay here for just a second. Can you explain to people what, because you guys use that phrase a lot and I think it's super important. What does it mean to be known? What Because that feels like the cornerstone of what you guys do and I wanna make sure people understand what that means. Eric, you're exactly right. Um, it is the cornerstone of what we do. So rooted in belonging. So many of the young people that walk through our doors have experienced exclusion. So whether that's through societal exclusion due to their race, due to their gender, due to their identification as part of the LGBTQ community, um, or whether that's even exclusion from family um, or being a part of the foster care system where they've kind of lived on the edges of society and haven't been able to experience um, what home and belonging really means. And so at AYA, we really exist to be a space where every single young person who walks through their door, our doors is known and celebrated as they are and doesn't have to put on a persona of being anyone else. Because we know that when youth are able to be exactly as they are, they then are able to move forward towards their future. Um, but if they aren't known as who they are, it's really difficult then to get a job, maintain a job, get a house, um, move into housing of their own. All of these things can be really difficult um, if they're not celebrated and find a space of belonging first. All right. So as promised, I want to go back a couple steps, though, because these are actually AYA is actually collective is is a proper terminology because it's two organizations that have voted to become one, one being Grand Rapids HQ. And then the one that that you were a part of is 311 Housing. Can you talk about, you know, your start and how that all came to be? And then how you guys kind of I, I think I know why you guys ended up on a collision course, but sort of how that collision course happened and got us to today. So you're exactly right. Um, AYA Youth Collective was formed from a merger that took place on July 1 of this year. 
Um, Perfect timing, Grand right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, our board voted. <laughs> to, our boards voted unanimously to merge on February 20. So about a week and a half, two weeks before the pandemic really hit uh, Michigan. So really interesting timing to be doing these things, but um, it's actually even more important and applicable during a pandemic this merger is. Grand Rapids HQ was the only youth drop-in center in West Michigan, still is, um, and formed in 2015. 311 Youth Housing formed in 2012 um, and as the largest youth-specific housing provider in Kent County. Um, and so the drop-in center and then the homes, we had been working together for a long time. So um, as you mentioned, I used to run, I'm co-founder and ran um, 311. Um, and so myself and HQ's co-founder and executive director, Chandra Steininger, um, worked together a lot in the community. These agencies, um, we really became intertwined in a lot of our work. So um, we would have young people access access the drop-in center and then the drop-in center team would call the housing team and say, hey, you know, do you have any openings? We have this young person. And so we were working together quite a bit. We had youth in housing that would come back to drop-in um, for that relational support and access to additional resources. And so um, about almost a year ago now, actually over a year ago now, um, we began having conversations around merging. And it really came to the forefront that by merging, we'd be able to increase the quality of services that we could provide, increase our capacity to provide our current services, and then to grow additional resources for young people in the community. We know that about 80 youth a night experience homelessness in Kent County. We uh, see around 450 youth at the drop-in center every year. We have the ability right now to house about 24 young people. We thought that by coming together, we'd be able to increase the capacity and develop additional programming to house even more young people. And um, we're already finding that to be the case. One of the things I think people might not realize is because they feel that there is a foster care system in this area. But what you guys have done both on your own and now together is while you overlap these ages, you actually add a service that sort of picks up where foster care would leave off, right? After you're 18, good luck. One of the areas that you guys can attack to make a better planet. I mean, 40% of the youth that engage with AYA identify as being in foster care after the age of 14. So that's a high percentage. Um, 40% of the youth that engage with AYA uh, identify as LGBTQ on their first visit. Um, and over 80% of the youth that engage with AYA identify as people of color, yet only represent about 40% of the Grand Rapids population. We see these systemic issues that we're facing in our country um, personified right in front of us at AYA. And we have seen that by intervening and by walking alongside young people in their path and during their insta this 
period of instability in their lives, we really see long-term success. We have young people who are purchasing their own homes, getting access to healthcare, health insurance, mental health supports, things that they wouldn't have been able to access. And so really it is stepping in and providing that support at the right time in a space in a young person's life where they're really ready to and, and want um, this next step. So Lauren, we're, we're obviously in a global pandemic and you're running a nonprofit during a global pandemic that helps people and has to do that face-to-face. I will ask you about innovation because I was fascinated that you have that as part of your culture. So I'll get to that, but I want to talk very specifically, what has this been like for you guys to navigate through this with such important work? As you said, there's a multitude of humans that you need to serve and you need assets to do that. And then when you layer a pandemic on top of it, probably makes that just a little bit more difficult. Yeah, the pandemic has influenced every piece of American life. Um, and we have not been exempt from that. In fact, I think uh, we at AYA have seen that more incredibly acutely. 95% um, of youth housing lost their jobs within the first week of the pandemic hitting in March. Um, youth in drop-in experienced experience increased risks due to the inability to isolate. They can't quarantine. They can't isolate. They can't shelter in place. Um, so all these things that, you know, we were able to do, those of us who have homes, young people were not able to, to do. And so increased risk and the increased instability um, for young people who are already living in a space of crisis, you layer a global pandemic on top of that and that crisis is felt exponentially. And then our drop-in model is meant to ha have 40 to 50 youth plus community partners and staff in the space at one time. That's not safe or feasible due to the pandemic. So we've had to retool a lot of ways and I just have to give huge credit to our, our drop-in team and our housing team who have stayed invested and engaged and on the front lines of this work every single day, interacting with young people um, with rapid fire changes. I mean, well, one day we will be able to serve youth in person and the next day we have to modify because there may have been a COVID case and we have to do um, lunch and basic need handouts. Daily, weekly, having to retool and modify what we're doing. but. We have an incredibly creative team who are willing to say whatever it takes to serve young people, we're here. Um, and we have really resilient youth who are saying, I get it. I get that you can't do what you used. I, I get that I can't come in and have 40 of us in here at a time, but you're still providing me with such essential services and I really appreciate it. So we've been able to do weekly meal and grocery delivery to youth and housing free masks, hand sanitizers, PPE, to any youth that walks through our doors. We've been able to give rental assistance to housing alumni. Um, so when they lost their jobs, they were able to keep their housing and didn't end up on the streets. We've provided employment support to get youth back in jobs. So now all the youth that lost their jobs are back in employment. We're offering a flu shot clinic um, for all youth free of charge. Daily hot meals, uh, basic needs provision every single day and connections to physical and mental health supports, which we know are really important during this pandemic. So we have a great partnership with the GVSU Family Health Center, 
Health Net of West Michigan and the Wisdom Center Counseling Services. And all three of those partners have worked with us to retool and support youth in this time. So we're heading into Thanksgiving and then beyond that, Kwanzaa and Christmas and Hanukkah. What in a typical year, what does that look like for you? Is there is there always an uptick at that time? Is does that is that what happens? And then what do you anticipate? Or can you even anticipate what this looks like in 2020? You know, uh, we always try to create community during the holidays. The holidays are a really difficult time for many young people. Um, And so especially, like we talked about the foster care population, those youth who've aged out of foster care, it's a very difficult time to not have a family uh, to go home to and during the holidays. And so um, we've we hold Thanksgiving meals, we hold holiday celebrations. We, um, you know, if people wanna follow our social media pages, we have specific winter goods drives because the winter in Michigan is really difficult. Um, So we really ramp up trying to get youth into any kind of shelter or supportive housing that's possible in our community. Um, We, provide basic needs like coats, boots, hats, gloves, all of that. Um, and then we still try to create this belonging. Um, we have at the drop-in center, we have a store where youth can come in and uh, choose Christmas gifts. In the houses, youth uh, submit gifts and we have partners that have come around and purchased gifts. And so we usually have a holiday party. Obviously those things are gonna have to change. We're retooling, we're trying to get really creative. We're trying to figure out, can we get heaters outside? and bundle up and um, do things outside, um, even in the middle of winter, uh, to support youth and to give that sense of community. So um, like I said, we have a great team and they're getting really creative on trying to figure this out. One of the the fascinating parts about your organization, because this is fairly non-typical for a nonprofit to have innovation at literally the core level of what you guys do. Can you talk about what that has done, not only for the growth, of the two organizations, but now during a global pandemic, having innovation as the core of one of the things that you do, how that's been helpful to build that resiliency for your team and the people that you serve. You're you're exactly right. You don't often see innovation as a core part of nonprofit organizations. I would argue that we should. Um, we should be looking at our data on a regular basis ensuring that our data is equitably evaluated and that our data is our data tells a story and so by looking at our data and by hearing anecdotally from young people we know where the gaps are and if we're really going to intervene we have to have a mechanism for intervening in real time intervention innovation is that mechanism So the COVID-19 pandemic is a perfect example. And I'll give you this example that just happened recently. Um, You know, with the cases spiking, we were, this summer we were able to offer pretty consistent services to up to 10 to 15 youth in the space at a time. And it was working really well. Well, now that cases are spiking and staff are being exposed and, you know, there's so many moving parts and pieces, we're really having to retool what to do. And so, our drop-in team said, hey, let's talk to innovations and let's get a quick turnaround brainstorming research um, meeting going. Through that meeting, we're able to identify what are the gaps, what are we not able to do, 
and what are some creative ways to, to solve this problem? And came out of that meeting with about six different options for ways that we can retool and serve youth in real time without having to close our doors. And that's the kind of thing that innovation having innovation at the core allows us to do as a nonprofit because nonprofits have to change rapidly um, just as much as businesses do. And so we, we know that to really serve youth effectively, that's the kind of work we need to, to be engaging in. So if we go back to, to 311 housing, what was, what was the nexus of having that? Cause it was in that organization as well. What was, you know, what was that, those meetings like early on where you said, you know what we need that literally no other nonprofit likely probably thinks about we need to we need to paint pictures with data that's the thing that we should do and we should innovate and pivot and all those things what was that like going back to 2012 yeah man i have to give give a ton of credit to uh john he is our chief housing and innovation officer um and to chandra steininger the former ed at hq um both of them drove and continue to drive this forward so um you know, 311 was never intended to be a housing program. 311 was intended to be a resource available to young people for them to move themselves forward rather than a program imposed upon young people. So from the very beginning, we had a youth action board, a committee that helped us develop the entire model. That committee um, is still going today. They've advised us through the merger. They've advised us on name. They helped choose the new name. They um, advise us on innovations we should pursue. So that council and paired with um, recognizing that, you know, so we would have young people that would be like, I'll like, I could move out on my own. I need a car. Like, that's the thing. That's the barrier here. And we would look around and we try to find these different programs. It was like, there's nothing outside of predatory lending to help this youth buy a car. Like, what this this has got to be different so we said okay let's try to figure out a creative way to make this happen so we've actually been able to offer zero percent interest loans uh to young people they pay it as part of their rent we have a hundred percent repayment rate and youth have been able to purchase cars um same thing goes for house purchasing we have young people who are incredibly motivated have been able to move up in their career or get certified in a trade while they've been living at a home and then get into a living wage job and save some money. And they're like, I, I actually want to buy a house. Um, and so the innovation team has said, okay, let's iterate. Let's try to figure out how to make this happen. And I, it's, it's that culture of like not being stuck in, we are this one program and also not doing mission drift because you don't want to get away from like the core of what we're trying to do innovating around the things that matter and that there aren't other creative solutions for in the community. Lauren, the work that you guys are doing is, is simply incredible. So at this point, I know you've got other things to do, so I'm going to let you go. But before I do that, how can people not only get in contact with you, but what do you guys need? You know, as we're in this season of giving and around Thanksgiving, people want to do that for Giving Tuesday. What are the things that you guys are looking for and how can they connect with you? Well, first, I want to give a big thanks to Eastbrook Homes. They have, um, they're participating in our collective match gift this year end. 
So any money that people donate on Giving Tuesday all the way through December 31 is going to be matched one for one up to, I believe our total is around $30,000 right now. So between the collective matching fund that we have. So please give. Um, this work is is hugely important. It's even more important, like I said, in the midst of pandemic. So um, by contributing to us, we, A, that, that's helpful. You can find us at ayayouth.org. Actually, that's hot off the presses. That website launched today as we're talking. So check it out. Um, you can sign up for our newsletter, see all the things and follow our social media. That's where we have those real time asks about once a week, we put out what we need. It can range from individual sized body wash to hats, gloves, scarves, winter gear. So um, please, yeah, reach out, connect with us and learn more about what we're doing. So awesome. Thank you so much for the time and uh, get back to what you clearly have to do today, which is the amazing work that the AYA Youth Collective is doing. Thank you so much for the time and we will talk to you soon. Thanks for having me, Eric.